Everybody doing all right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, we're excited that you're here. Uh, I've got a, a message that I put on my heart that uh, I believe is going to be encouraging to you. Before we get into that, though, I want to let you know, once again, I groups kick off this week. In fact, that's one of them that kicks off tonight. And so I am encouraging you, if you have not gone on the website and looked through that, online directory and figure out what group you want to be a part of, do that today. When you leave today, like don't do a lot of preaching, all right? You know, like if you're on your phone while I'm preaching, be taking notes. But go on there, seriously, go on there today, and it's yourimpactchurch.com slash igroups, and you can register for the group that you want to be a part of this semester. Uh, this semester is going to run through the week right before Thanksgiving, and so we're excited about all that God's going to do while we're in community and doing life together, amen? Because we need each other. It's not too late. You can still get signed up if you haven't done that already. And does anybody does anybody like worship? I mean, worship, worship people. In particular, impact worship. So we're hosting. We're going to host our very first night of worship here at Heritage Hall on Sunday night, October the seventh. And so that morning we'll have our regular service times. And that night at six o'clock, we're going to gather together for an incredible. I'm telling you, you do not want. This this night of worship it is going to be amazing and if you enjoy worship uh, even if you don't maybe you'll come and then you'll enjoy it after I don't know but it's going to be it's going to be good so put it on your calendar we're about six weeks out from that and so the, the framework has already begun and uh, the worship team is working on that and uh, I believe that God has already put something just a brief word on my heart for that night specifically that's going to be tied in. And uh, it's going to be encouraging to you. So you want to be here on October 7th on that Sunday night. With that being said, we are currently in a series that we're calling The Grind. If you were here last week, uh, we went through part one of this series. Anybody ever been in the grind? You just feel like sometimes life is hard. You just hit the, you know, we call it the grind sometimes because it's our responsibility. Maybe responsibility is a better word than the grind. I don't know. But we get in responsibilities of life. Or like, man, I'm just in the grind. I'm in the grind, just doing life. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes there's suffering. We talked about that last week. In fact, the title of the message last week was Strength Through Suffering. And it sounds funny, and we don't like that title, but there's hope in that title, and there's truth in that title, that there is strength that comes through the suffering. So whatever you've been going through, God's trying to do something inside of you through that situation. And we talked about expectations being half of the battle. Well, how many of you yeah. believe that to be true? That if we expect, Jesus told us that in this life you will have trouble, but take heart or cheer up because I have overcome the world. And this last week, it was like I got a new revelation of this verse. And it was like, it was like Jesus was speaking it to me and he said, in this life you're going to have trouble. But the, the translation I was reading said, but cheer up, for I have overcome the world. And it's like Jesus said, you're going to have trouble in life. It's inevitable because we live in this world. But cheer up. Because I'm like this smile on his face. You know, like, cheer up. Maybe his voice went high pitch up there. <laughs> cheer up. I've already been there. I've already been through that. I've already overcome that. Because I've already overcome that, now you can overcome that because you have me living on the yeah. inside of you. And that's an encouragement for me, and hopefully it is for you. But we need to expect that times are going to get hard. 
You need to expect that sometimes trouble's, come, trouble's coming. And then when the enemy shows up at your door, you're like, I've been expecting you. And I'm prepared for you. <laughs> I knew you were coming at some point. And I'm ready. Because I knew I was expecting you to show up. And then we talked about faithfulness. That when we're in the suffering, faithfulness is the key. Faithfulness is the key. And if you haven't, we talked about three areas. I don't have time to go through them today, but go back on our Facebook page and find last week's message if you were not able to be here or you didn't catch it online. I think it'll really, really encourage you what we talked about last week. And this weekend, today, I want to talk to you on this subject, and you can write this down if you're taking notes. Contentment killers. Contentment killers. I'm going to look at the person next to you and tell them, my perspective of you is kick. <laughs> my perspective of you is killing my contentment. My perspective of you is killing my contentment. From what I preached better when we talked last week, so I think you need to preach it. And come on, that's a good one. Come on. Have you ever been? Have you ever been invited to somebody's house for dinner? Or you, <laughs> you've been invited over to hang out, you know, maybe you have kids, and have kids, we're getting the kids together, we're going to play, we're just going to eat. And you walk in and you notice things, or oh, you're looking around, and, and the, whole, the whole point of it was for community and relationship. And when you left, you ever been over to somebody's house, and then when you left, you thought, I need a better house. You know what I'm talking about? You got so excited to go there, and you look over there, and you're like, oh. I like the colors that they painted the walls. You know, and you're looking back at your spouse, and you're like, oh, we need to go home. We need to go home tomorrow and get all new stuff, right? 80% off. Don't ever buy anything at Hobby Lobby. That's not 50% off. Always. That's just a side note. But we need to, like, we need to redo our house, or we need to move. Like, we need a, we need a better house after being over at somebody else's house. Right? And you felt good about your house until you went to their house. <laughs> like, you left, you're like, our house is awesome. Man, look at all this space we have. This is awesome. And then you go there, you're like, our house sucks. <laughs> <laughs> their house is awesome. I want this. I want this. I, you know what I'm talking about? Or have you ever, you ever been excited about the vehicle you were driving? And you just had it washed and detailed? And the tires are all shiny. And you're driving down the road. Come on, you know how we do. You got your hands up on the wheel. The window is down. You feel good, right? Especially now that fall, fall weather's coming, you know, windows down. It's like, oh man, just enjoying it. Man, I look good in my vehicle, and then a weed roller goes by. You're like, I hate my vehicle. <laughs> I love that vehicle. Or somebody that's driving the same vehicle that you have, but they have wheels. <laughs> or you live on a gravel road, so your vehicle never looks like you want it to look like. And you see everybody else, it's like, oh, whatever. Once a week, you know. It's 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 so, the struggle's real. You know, I'm telling you the truth. It's real. How many times have you have have we been in life in a season of life where we're allowing things that we do we don't have to kill? that God wants for us. So we start thinking about what we do have or what we don't have and it kills our contentment. 
Well, I was feeling good about what I had yesterday until I saw that. And now I want that. Come on, we do this with our phones. You know, you get the newest iPhone, and now all of a sudden the phone that you had is your old phone. Well, your, that phone's not old. It probably just came out six months ago. <laughs> but you just got to have the new phone, right? Because when you get the new phone, it recognizes your face. When you look at it, and it will unlock for you. My old phone doesn't have that, right? Got to push the button. Got to put in a code. Got to use my fingerprint, right? Oh, I got to try the new phone because they took away the old button. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Full screen, you know? Got to have the new thing. And all of a sudden, this becomes the old thing. And I'm not content with what I have, even though what I have is working. I want the, a lot of us, we spend our time living in the land of earth. Let me tell you what the land of earth is. You need bigger, better, more earth. Everything in your life, at some point, you're like, I need the better car. I need the bigger house. I need more of that. If we just had more money, then things would work out. If we just had, I just need, I need to get more. I need to get better. I need to get the bigger. I need to get whatever you can put her on the end of. And we live in that place a lot of times. And I love the book of Philippians. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Philippians. If you can read it in like one, just one sitting. It's only a few chapters. And you can sit down and read it. I encourage you to read it. But I want to read from chapter 3. And I want to read just a few verses. And then we're going to talk about it. And we're going to build off of it. And hopefully we're going to help each other today. I want to start in Philippians 3, verse 7. Paul says, I thought things like that were for my benefit. But now I consider them to be nothing because of Christ. We're talking about stuff. Even more, I consider everything to be nothing compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. <laughs> to know him is the best thing of all. Because of him, I have lost everything. But I consider all of it to be garbage so that I can get to know Christ. I want to be joined to him. For me, being right with God does not come from the law. It comes because I believe in Christ. It comes from God. It is received by faith. I want to know Christ better. I want to know the power that raised him from the dead. I want to share in his sufferings. I want, how many of us can say that? I want to know God better. I want more of God. I want to get closer to God. And I want to share in his sufferings. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to become like him by sharing in his death. He takes us that part. Then by God's grace, I will rise from Dead. Here's what's interesting if you read the book of Philippians, and I encourage you to do that. The entire book of Philippians is a book about joy and contentment. And I don't know if you know this or not, but it was written by a guy who was in prison for doing the right thing. So here's a guy writing a letter to a church called, he's talking to church people. Anybody at church? That's everybody, in case you were wondering. He's talking to church people. He's writing to the church that he had planted. And isn't it interesting that the person who had the most reason to not be content in his situation was writing about contentment. Come on. Writing about being content where you are yeah. and with what God has given you. 
And I can see Paul, he's like, throw me in jail, and he, and he doesn't do what most of us would do. He, he finds, he's like, you know, I'm here, I gotta be here, you know, I don't like being here, but I gotta be here, and so I'm still writing some letters. I can still keep talking about Jesus. I can still, I can still share the gospel. I can still help people, even though I'm right here, and see what most of us do is we complain about where we're at. And we talk to other people about where we're at. And I think sometimes God is like, no, where you are is where I'm wanting to use you right now. So if you would just look around like Paul did and say, well, I'm here. i got to be here. You know, apparently this is where God has me. So what is it that I can do right now in this arena? What is it right now that I can do in this situation of life? What is it right now? I mean, I like being here, but what is it that God wants me to do right now in this season? In what I'm facing right now? Another thing as we read through the book of Philippians. You see that Paul isn't really getting on to anybody. He's not really rebuking anybody. He's not talking about major problems. And I love this, I love this theme. Because what Paul is doing is he's he's talking from a precautionary standpoint. So Paul writes to this church, and he writes what later he knew, what he didn't know, but what God knew we would read. And he's telling them, I'm going to caution you on some things. Like, let me help you out in this area. We're talking about joy going you know, in prison. We're talking about contentment, even though I'm somewhere where I don't want to be. And I want to help you. I, I, want to, I want to caution you on some things in this area. And it's like Paul knew that everybody was going to deal with it. That we were all going to struggle in the area of contentment. He's not talking about major things. He's talking about what we need to do to caution ourselves against other things. And it's almost like a warning sign on the road that notifies you that you're going the wrong way, like with danger, you're going the wrong way. Have you ever noticed that the only way that you can read the wrong way sign is if you're going the wrong way? If you're going the right way, all you see is the back of the sign. But when you're going the wrong way, you see the wrong way sign. Yeah. So if you're driving down the road and you're reading a sign that says the wrong way, everybody else ain't crazy, you are. <laughs> they don't have a problem, you have a problem. You need to look around and figure out how to get back on the right side of traffic. Or if it's like downtown Paris, you figure out how to you know, maneuver around downtown because it's all one way. I remember the first time I came to downtown Paris, I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what you're going to try. Right now, I'm trying to get right there, and i got to go this way and this way and down and around and back up and return to get there. Okay. But when you see the wrong way sign, it means you're the one going the wrong way. And this book is almost like, hey, if you're, if you're seeing some of these things, you might be going the wrong way. And I want to, I want to do from a precautionary standpoint to try to help you to turn around and start going the right way. See, one, one verse that we really like in Philippians is Philippians 4.13. You don't even have to be a church person to go Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we put it on baseball stuff, you know, like, I can do, you know, we're slapping it when we come out, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can buy it at Hobby Lobby, believe that or not. And it's on sporting stuff, you know, and, and everyone, you know, people are using this verse, but have you ever read the rest of the world? Have you ever gotten the context for what I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and talking about? Because right before it, Paul's saying, here's what I've learned. I've learned how to be content when I have a lot. I've learned how to be content when I have nothing. 
I learned how to how to survive when things are going good, and I learned how to survive when things are not going good. I've learned how to be content when they post about me on Facebook or when they're my friend. But Paul says, I've learned how to be content in all these areas, and here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, you didn't know that verse was about contentment. You didn't know that verse was about figuring out how you're going to be okay no matter what the circumstance is that you're going through. And I'm not saying it's bad to use it in other contexts and like with all things to Christ and teach that one verse, but I think for this for this particular message, we need to know that Paul is talking about how you can be content no matter what you have. No matter what life looks like, here's the secret. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We can do all things. I was preparing for this message and I was reminded of a worship song from a few years ago. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Hillsong. They write a lot of worship songs. And this is a Hillsong song from a few years back and it's called Christ is Enough. I don't know if you, maybe when I start to sing like four lines of it to kind of help you out today, maybe you'll recognize it whenever, whenever we start to sing it at the church we were on Snapchat before. Uh, moving back to this area, we sang it a lot. But it says, Christ is enough for me. Oh, that's good. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need. Oh, my life's so lonely. Like, Christ is enough for me and everything I need. Can I, can I, here's another, uh, just to let you know a little secret. The Greek translation of the word everything means everything. <laughs> so everything that I need is in him. But I wonder how many of us can sing that song, and we do, right? If you've sung that song before, if we sang that song in church here, and you'd be like, you know, you're like in a tense with it, you know? You know, who can holler in and work side. But I wonder how many of us can really see that and mean that from our heart. That Christ is enough for me and everything that I need is in him. Everything that I need is in him. Because a lot of times our song sounds like this. I kind of rewrote, you know, for 2018, kind of our culture, what what we what we sing a lot of times. And we start out like this, it's all together like Christ is. Enough for me, but I see a car I need. <laughs> if I could just get that new job, I would be complete. You know, we start out like we pray like Christ in the ground. Something 
through this letter and even what we just read these few verses this morning. And I want to talk to you about a couple of things that are prevalent in our culture and in our society and how we're growing up and how we're raising ourselves up and what we have access to in 2018. And I want to talk to you about two things, two contentment killers. I'm going to try to help you and I'm going to try to help myself. I'm preaching to myself today as much as I'm preaching to anybody. But two contentment killers. Here's number one. You can write this down. Idolatry. Idolatry. The Christianese word. Some of you are like, I don't know what that means. I'm going to take it out right now because I don't even know. I'm going to help you understand what I'm talking about. But idolatry is a contentment killer. So if you're living with no peace and no contentment, then you might need to look at your life and see if this is something that you're struggling with. Because it's okay to have stuff, but here's the question. And I want you to write this down because I think this will help you to be good to remind you later. Do you have stuff or does stuff have you? Because there's nothing wrong with having stuff. If you're blessed and, and you've got the finances and you want to get more stuff and you need more stuff, there's nothing bad about having more stuff until your stuff has you. So do you have things or do the things have you? Do you have money, or does money have you? Preached a message back in January talking about overflow. It was called Build a Barn. And if you need to go back and listen to that on the podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to that on the podcast. But it talks about the three different mindsets that we have when it comes to giving or when it comes to money. The bag, the basket, or the barn. Do you have money, or does money have a hold of you? Is there never enough? Always got to have more living in the land of earth in this area? Do you have a vehicle, or does the vehicle have you? Do you have a home, or does the home have you? And see, Paul was able to say that he considered all of the stuff to be garbage so that he could know Jesus better. That's bold. How many of you want to say that? I like. I heard a story. A guy he was he was talking to a guy on the phone, and while he was on this conversation, he spilled coffee on his laptop. He spilled coffee on his laptop, and the guy was like, "Oh man, your laptop what did you spill?" He's like, "Oh, sorry, it's just a thing. <laughs> it's just a thing." But I spent fifty one dollars. <laughs> It's still just a thing. It's just a thing. Your house is just a thing. Your vehicle is just a thing. Do you have things, or do your things have you? Sometimes we need to take a, a, a little break from everything going on in our lives and ask ourselves a question. Am I, am I not experiencing contentment, and am I not experiencing peace in my life because my things have me instead of me just having things? Because sometimes we fall into that. And if we were to ask ourselves, some of us in this room even today, we're, in, we're there right now. Like, you know, it started out, I was just getting some more stuff. And I was thankful that God was blessing me. But now, I'm not content with anything that I have. And I always feel like I need the newest. And I always feel like I need the better one. And I always feel like I need more. And there's never enough. Maybe this is a question. If you're wondering if this is a contentment killer, 
then you need to ask this question to yourself. Is there anything about which I would possibly say I'll only be happy with? I'll only be happy with. If I had that, I'd be happy. If I could go there, I'd be happy. And whatever fills in the blank for you is an idol in your life that's trying to take the place that only Jesus can fill. And this is going to sound so cliche. And there was even a song written about it. But there is a God-shaped hole in you that only he can fill. And when we try to fill it with stuff, it's never enough. Ever. Ever. You get that, well, I'll only be happy when. You get that, you're going to want something else. It's the, it's the grass is always greener. I'm trying to, well, I hop that fence, and the grass is greener over here, and then it starts to die. Now we'll get on this side of the fence, and the grass is greener over here, and it starts to die. And I know I've said this before, but the grass is not always greener over the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. And if you're not living with contentment, maybe you need to ask yourself, is there anything in my life that I, that I have this mentality that if I can only get there, or if I can only get him, or if I can only get that, or if I can only be here, that I would be content then, that I would be happy then, and that's something that is taking the place of what Jesus is trying to do in your life, and you're trying to feel what only Jesus can feel with the stuff that's in your life, and you never have peace, you never have content. I'll only be happy when I meet the right person. Sometimes I think we need to be reminded. Well, maybe I just married the wrong person. So what you need to do is you need to go home and you need to find your marriage license. You need to look at whose name's on there. And whoever's name's on there is the right person. <laughs> so don't get in. Well, I think I just married the wrong person. I didn't know. And, and, and you were hiding everything from each other and then you got married and everything came out. And it's like, whoo. I didn't know. I must have married the wrong person. God, I just missed you. Oh, you can just look on the license, and whoever laid on there was the right person. But a lot of times, marriage is spelled W-O-R-K. And we don't like it. Can I preach for a minute? And we don't like the word. And so we just decide, well, if it was, if it was really God, if it was really the right person, it was my soul, maybe. Then we would be having all these problems. We wouldn't be going with this because it should just get easy. It should just be, it should just be exactly everything that we want. And we're not content. And now we're thinking, well, maybe I just married the wrong, maybe it's the wrong one. Maybe I just married God. Maybe I just thought, you know, that this was the person I was supposed to marry. No. Whoever you marry, you marry. You're married. You're married. <laughs> oh, I don't know say it again. Whoever you were married to is who you married to. That's, that's the person that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with. But sometimes it's going to take some work. Sometimes it's going to take you doing some things to keep the level of what we just fall out of love. No. You're just not acting on it. Come on. You're just not, you know, not being in love way. See, here's, here's a secret that I have discovered. So we have a tendency for our actions to follow our emotions. Yeah. Come on. 
argument last night, and we slept on it, and I'm more mad today than I was yesterday, and so I really feel like kissing you today before you leave for work. Come on, somebody. Come on. But here's what I've learned, is that when you start to act a certain way, your attitude and your emotions will follow. So when you start to act like you love that person, and you start to do things that show that you love that person, all of a sudden, your emotions start to come along with you. And we've got it backward for so long, and why I don't feel like it. Well, I don't feel like, I don't feel like going to work, so I'm not going to work today. Well, I don't feel like eating. <laughs> Amen. I can take you where that's in the Bible. But just because you don't feel like it doesn't mean that you don't do it. See, you got to do what you want to feel like doing. So you got to act on it before your emotions and your, 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 the way that you feel comes along with you. So you start acting like a husband's supposed to act. You start acting like a wife is supposed to act. I'm about to get myself in trouble right here. But you start doing the things that show love to the person that you're with, and your emotions and your feelings will follow. But as long as you're following your emotions and your feelings, you're never going to do anything that you're supposed to do. Because you're not ever really going to feel like it. You know what? I mean, very many people in the room, you don't feel like it all the time. I don't feel like it. But that doesn't mean I don't do it. No, I'm going I'm to make my emotions and my feelings follow what I want them to be. And I'm going to start acting on it before I feel like doing it. It changes everything. I'll only be happy, well, that was a lot, this was one line. I'll only be happy when we can afford the bigger house. I'll only be happy when my spouse starts treating me better. I'll only be happy when we get out of this town. Come on, somebody. Just got to get out of Paris, Texas. Bless God. If I can just get out of this town, everything will be better. I don't think not. We said it last week, but everywhere you go, there you are. So even if you leave here, you're taking all your, can I say this, dysfunction. So you walk out, you drive down the road, we'll buy a house, moving 30 miles away, got to get out of this town. Guess what? You're still there. And until you deal with what God's trying to do with you on the inside of you, everywhere you go is going to be the same story over and over and over and over again. And you're not living with peace, and you're not living in contentment, but you're just trying to dodge it, and get out of it, and run away from it. And well, if we just get out of this place, then everything will be better. No, that's a sign that, that that's something you're trying to put into place that only Jesus can feel in your life. You can idle. You can idle. I'll only be happy when I get a better job. Just whatever, whatever you put in the blank there, that's something that is trying to take the place of Jesus in your life. And it's an idol. And idolatry is a killer of contentment because it says that Jesus is not enough. Not enough. So instead of seeing Christ is enough for me, everything I need is in him. I'm starting off good. Christ is Christ is it's it's a contentment killer. It's a contentment killer. Here's number two. For idolatry, here's the second one. Prepare. 
trying to put things into place that only God can fill, comparing yourself to other people. And how often do we compare our lives to other people's lives? We compare our house, somebody else's house, and we have a great house until we see that somebody else has a better house. And then we want a better house, a bigger house, and I want the house with the pool, and they have a pool. Contentment killer, comparison. We have a tendency to compare our kids with someone else's kids. And we're proud of our kids until someone else's kids appear to be better. Come on, you've been walking through Walmart. <laughs> and your kid's throwing a fit. And you get up in the checkout line, and, and this parent's like, No, I'm being consistent. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and we compare ourselves to them. We're like, I did that. Apparently, I need to take some capitalism and forget to figure out what they're doing. If the are acting good, they're not always like that. But when we see it, we compare ourselves and our situation to it. Well, my kids were. truth, and I can say this because I'm the one standing up here, some of you are comparing your situation to our situation. And it's not the same. And some people are looking up here and like, oh, he's on a stage. Oh, they look like they got it all together. We ain't got nothing together. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the first time I've ever pastored the church. Come on, somebody. I've been pastoring for almost two years. We're about to turn two years old. Because social media does this to us. 
see everybody, we compare our lives to everybody else's highlight reel. And we see the picture, and we all do this. There's a picture, and we post it, and we're like, profile picture. Ooh, let me see how many likes and comments I can get on this. And it's our family picture, we're all together, and we're just like, oh, the kids are so cute, and you're like, man, every time we take a picture, our kids never smile, we never look at the camera, we never, well, there's 172 other pictures on the phone. And you didn't see the one where the seven-month-old was crying because they don't want to be out, and it's hot, and and then the four-year-old is like, oh, I don't want to take a picture. You know? And you didn't see the behind the scenes where dad said, well, if you, if you smile, if you'll get a job, and we'll get you ice cream. And so then they smile real big, and the picture looks awesome. We post it, and we're like, oh, my family's terrible. And so we their family. No, we just went to prom's after that picture. And we did it. And we're not living with any peace in life because we're comparing ourselves to everybody else around us. Yeah. But everybody's got their own problems. Everybody's got their own issues. And I can't compare my problems to your problems or my family to your family or what no. Because God has a purpose for your family and God has a purpose for my family. Well, and we have more kids. Some of you are like, I am not having more kids. <laughs> Like you just can't, you can't compare the two of them. We're killing ourselves when we compare. We have a tendency to compare our career to someone else's career. And we're comparing our job, and our job is the best job on the planet until we see somebody else that has a better job. Stop doing this. We're comparing. And maybe today we need to ask ourselves this question What am I most tempted to compare myself to? Where am I most tempted? Because we all compare in different ways. 
You might compare the way you look compared to the way other people look. You might compare your job to another person's job. You might compare your family to another person's family. Everybody's got a different way that they're comparing their life to somebody else's. So you need to figure out where am I the most tempted to compare myself to other people. And that's an area that I need to pay attention to, and I need to give that over to the Lord and allow him to, to transform my mind in the way that I think in this area. And maybe some of us, we need to, to get in the habit of daily telling God how grateful we are for what we have. Because you can't, you can't be grateful for what you have or what somebody else has at the same time. So maybe we need to get in the habit of every day I want to thank God for what he's given me. I want to thank God for my family. I want to thank God for my home. I want to thank God for the vehicles that we get to drive. I want to thank God that, that I get to raise these kids. I want to thank God for the job that I have. I want to thank God. I want to be grateful for what I have, what God has already blessed me with. Maybe some of us in the room need to take a break every now and then from social media. Because it's killing your contentment. You're sitting here right now, and you know who you are because you're sitting here right now. You're thinking, that family on social media, it always makes me feel bad about mine. And every once in a while, maybe you need something where you can say, you know what? I'm going to take a week off of social media, and I'm going to remind myself of everything that God had on. I want to tune my ear back into what God says about me and what God has blessed me with so that I can remind myself of everything that God has given me that I have to be grateful for. It's not focusing on things that I don't have or that I do want. It's focusing on what he's already given me and what my purpose is. And we do this we, we every year in January. If you're new to our church, we do what we call 21 days of prayer and fasting. Some of you are like, hey, no, that's more like I'm ready for it, personally. Because to me, that's like, man, I, it's like you don't hear God's voice clearer than when as a corporate body, we're fasting and we're praying together for what God has for the year, for our families, for our lives. So it's incredible to me. But the first year, there was some of y'all that so fast on social media for 21 days, and thought you're going to die. And then this last year, as a, as a whole, as a church, one of our weeks that we did was social media. So all the church social media was off. Our own social media, we weren't on there. And, and I remember, for me, how freeing it was to spend seven days, you know, and was the temptation there? Yes, because the average person looks at their phone, I don't know, every six seconds. And so the temptation was always there. It's like, oh, we got to sit. And you'll find out really quick when you start putting that stuff down how addictive you are to it. By how much you look at it, you have to remind yourself, okay, I'm not doing that. Okay, I'm not doing that. Oh, yeah, I'm not doing that. Oh, yeah, not doing that. But some of us, we need more than just at the beginning of the year. We need periodically throughout the year so that we can constantly come back to the place of, I'm grateful for what I have, and God bless me, and I'm going to focus on my purpose, I'm going to focus on my family, I'm going to focus on what God's telling me to do, instead of what everything else that's going on in the world that we have access to through social media. And maybe every now and then, you know, maybe you just need to delete the app for a while. You know, I had somebody tell me one time they were, they were, uh, we were going through a fast, I believe. And they read the Bible app on the phone, and so what they did, they put Facebook right next to the Bible. So every time they would click on Facebook, they saw the Bible. Uh, and it was like, oh yeah, I need, to, I need to put God before social media. And I need to put God before what I care about, what everybody else is thinking about, the pictures that I posted about the Bible. Man, I'm dead. I don't see if I've got those, those likes and the comments. And it's killing, I'm telling you, 
killing our contestants. And it's robbing our people. Now, I'm not against social media because I use social media and I love social media. But every now and then, I think we need to put it down and be reminded that, hey, God's blessing me. God's given me all of this. And I want to make sure that all of this doesn't have a hold of me. That, that I've got a hold of God and that He's giving me all this stuff so that I can be a blessing to other people in my life. So comparison another thing it says, Jesus is not enough. I'm going to bring the worship team back up today. So then it, it begs to ask this question, so what is the key to finding contentment in life? And I'm not telling you there's, there's a cookie cutter. <laughs> I think it's a series of things that we have to do every single day and be intentional about every single day to really be contentious and grateful for what God has given you, not compare, not put idols in your life, things that you're putting in the place that only Jesus is supposed to build. But here's one thing that I think might be the answer, and I think it's a bigger perspective of God. I think when our perspective of God changes, then the way that we view the things in our life will change. Because God's purpose is not just about things we have control. God's purpose is not just about, and I'm going to say something that's going to shock you. God's purpose and what he intends is not everything that you want. And that's hard. It's hard. It's not always about everything that you want. Sometimes, in fact, it's about what you don't want. But we struggle sometimes with this idea we get frustrated that we're not content with where we are, we're not content with God in our lives because we didn't get what we wanted. And I think if we get a different perspective on God's purpose, and see, here's what, see, we focus a lot of times on our wants, but what distracts God is people. So God cares more about you than what you want. Are you with me? He cares more about you than what you want. And sometimes God knows that if I gave them what they're wanting, that would not benefit them in the moment. That would not lead them to their purpose. That would detour them from, from following after me if I gave them everything that they wanted. So what God does is he says, I'm going to give you what you need. Not always what you want. But it's always going to be what you need. And we have to, like Paul, in the middle of prison, make the decision that no matter where I'm at, I'm going to be content because God is working. And I'm going to look for what God is doing in these situations. Why does God have me here? Why am I going through this? What is God trying to teach me? What is God trying to do? Because God cares more about you than he cares about what you want. And that doesn't sound like good news, but that's really good news. It's really, really good news. Because here's what I can tell you with confidence. We stand today. That God always has your best intentions in mind. Because he loves, God is love. He doesn't just love you. He is love. There's no way that he could not love you. Let me say it that way. There is no way that God could 
God alone. No matter what you do, or what you've done, or where you're at right now, or where, you know, something that might happen in the future, there's no way that God cannot love you because He is love. He will love you. And He loves you enough, one, you know this as your parents, we don't always give our kids what, we, what they want. Because sometimes we know what they need. And sometimes that might look like a little bit of pain, it might look like a little bit of loss, it might look like a little bit of suffering, it might look like you're going the wrong way, and God sent somebody to let you know, hey, you're going the wrong way, and you may not like that conversation. But God loves you. God, God cares about people, not about stuff. So God cares more about you than you getting what you want. That's really, really good news today. And if we could wrap our minds around that, then we would really understand what it, what it means to live as a trying to fill that spot with other things, comparing ourselves constantly to other people, will kill our contentment. But when we get a different perspective on how God sees us and God's purposes for our life and He cares more about me than He cares about the things, then it, it changes our perspective. And now all of a sudden we're living in peace. People look at us and think, oh, how do you guys have peace? And we're content a season of life when, when people look at us and think, oh, God cares about me more than he cares about the things that I want. Amen. God, I thank you for your word today. God, I pray that, that you have changed us, that you are transforming our minds like only you can do. Like only you can do. Pray that we would discover how much you love us. That we would discover that you care more about us as individuals than you care about all the stuff or even what we want sometimes. Lord, that we would know that there's no way that you could not love us. And that that would give us a new perspective of you. And that in that perspective, we would be able to see things differently. And we would be able to live with peace and Lord, I pray as we sing this last song, this final worship song today, that those that need prayer during our prayer team, you can go ahead and come down today. Those that need prayer for anything in their life, no matter what it is, no matter what they're going through, God, that, that you would remove pride, that you would remove comparison and what other people are doing and what we're not doing and that you remove the fear of what people are going to think and Lord that we would receive prayer in an area of life that we might need some prayer today. As we sing this last song, God, I pray that you would draw every person who needs prayer in Jesus' name.